congratulations to you. It's 2027 and you're, you're having a drink and it's, it's a nice sunny day. You know, there's climate change, but we won't get into that. So good luck to you in 2027. question for you all right ask your ask your question how come in some cases when you add more people you get more done um meaning like i need to plow an extra 20 acres just go get me 300 more people to like plow 20 more acres but how come sometimes most of the time especially in our world you add more people and everything comes to a screeching halt and it gets harder to do anything. Look, what you're asking about is actually the foundational problem of software development. It's not code. People can learn to code. And most code that needs to get created can be created by a pretty good programmer. It doesn't actually, you don't need everyone to be a super genius. It's all coordination costs. That's the hardest part. Start with your plow example, right? That is a embarrassingly parallelizable problem. Uh, you can simply plow a section. You can say, this is your section, please go plow it. And an individual can learn that, go plow it, and return the yield or the harvest after the plowing is done and the field has grown, right? What you're saying is there's no dependency. Well, there's no dependency. That's right. You can just split it up. And actually, I mean, we can we can skip a few steps, right? This is the goal of the API, of the purely distributed software, which is, I'm going to give you everything you need to get your work done and you will never, you don't need to coordinate with me. Go plow your field. And a perfect example here is Google Analytics. You need to analyze parts of your website. You will never speak to Google and it will analyze parts of your website. You will put a little JavaScript on and it will talk back to Google Mm -hmm. and you'll never have to deal with Google except through that interface. Which leads to a form of parallelization. Well, what that means, that's your, that's your field. Google has said, like, your website is a little field, and here is how you plow it to get analytics into the analytics bucket and plant the mm-hmm. seeds of growth. So off you go. That part of the work is done. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm hearing you. I, and this is why I kind of set this question up this way. But, you know, before we hit record, we said we're not going to talk about the pandemic. Whoever you are, you may be listening to this podcast in 2027, mm-hmm. and God, you may not know what we're talking about. You get to go, get to go outside. <laughs> you're having a margarita. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you're, you applied it to software, which is wise, because it's one of the most de- dependent, heavily dependent disciplines, right? You, it's very hard to parallelize, but the API is a secret weapon to parallelize Well, the, software, the right? metaphor that gets used a lot is that nine people can't have a baby in one month. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's real, right? I mean, that's... that's it it that's, is real, except that it actually is reductive, right? Because you can look for patterns of success or tools that already exist and apply them and so, I mean, the reality is that people come to us and say, I need to have a baby in, you know, usually three months. And we say, we, we will, but we're not going to start from scratch. So I want to zoom out of software for a second, though. I, think I, I don't know how universal. to talk about anything else. <laughs> this is it, Rich. This is all I got anymore. <laughs> no, but when you add people, things slow down. I mean, this is, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're right now having a real hard time doing anything at scale. 
right? It's hard oh, to as watch like a the nation, news. as a culture. Sure. Well, no, as a like, I need glass vials or I need Q-tips. Well, or I need to vote. Like all the existing processes and supply chains we have don't scale to this situation. They're actually they not don't. robust. They're not robust. And, you know, I think back to, you know, I don't know how. It probably was really messy during World War II. Like it probably was terrible. Everybody's, you know, I, all we have is footage of, of people building bombers in car factories, right? And it's oh, just it the was, most inspiring it, thing. It was four it was years probably of a disaster. profound global despair mixed with, oh yeah, all the stories of like individual soldiers and stuff. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that heroic. Everybody hated everybody else and nobody wanted to die, right? No, and, no, but I'm talking about the production, like the production machine. It was like, we must mobilize and inspire, you know, bring the, the real might of American manufacturing to bear and here we go. And then next thing you know, we're building so many weapons and bombers and bombs. And, and it's like, whoa, you know what? We could do this all day long. We might not even have a good battle plan. <laughs> we could just keep making these. No, it was an utterly reproducible process. It's the same as plow the field. You go over here. You're, you're making cockpits. All right, man. But it's 70 years later and I can't get Q-tips. Oh, what happened? Th this is a, okay. This is my theory. Thanks to the immense productivity gains brought by the digital revolution and the way that we approach things through globalization and the way that we have structured mm -hmm. our businesses, we have created mm -hmm. incredible efficiencies, just-in-time delivery. You know, mm -hmm. no one holds any inventory. None of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so the days of everything being vertically integrated, like, oh, you know, we, we own our own cocoa farm and the beans come in a boat that we own and it goes, those are all gone. And instead, you have these this mutual set of middlemen with unbelievable efficiencies, except that all of those efficiencies are utterly based on long-term stability in the markets, the climate, and the world in general. We could just end the podcast right now. The observation you're making here is profound. Well, I'm stealing it from one of our clients who's got a global warming charity. And his point is that we have counted on stability for all of history, the last thousands of years. And that right. you, you can't really see stability. Like stability is, it's it's like seeing economics. It's the air, right? And so you right. take it for granted. Of course it's stable. You have a different point of view about this. It's one of the things I've learned from you. And this is literally your heritage and you coming over in a very unstable situation and having an unstable situation. Growing up, you see a lot more randomness in the world than many entrepreneurs do. I see chaos. I've never, I, until we started Postlet, I was never really great at translating it to business, but I could see the chaos and I'd be like, oh, that's a lot of chaos. I don't know why people think that's normal. I'll give you an example for me. I'll give you an example for me. The stock market is, is crazy cakes. It is a banana cakes set of human wishes and dreams that everybody, and when people talk about it, they talk about it like it's a large rational animal that knows what it wants. It's like, mm, oh, stock, yeah, yeah. stock market wants to eat more bananas. Right. Yeah. And then blockchain's even worse. And all of these things, all these assumptions, all the way we talk about this stuff is just built on this understanding that it's going to stay roughly the same tomorrow. Yeah. Well, look, there is value in those markets. I believe in those markets. I like, you know, I'm pro Airbnb and pro Uber and pro finding efficiencies. I, again, pro in principle. I mean, I, you know, some of their practices are gross, but. In principle, I like that, you know, we can use technology to find those efficiencies, right? That's very cool stuff to me. Also, no matter how politically different you and I are, we both essentially believe in a concept of growth. Otherwise, we wouldn't start this business, not even a software business, just a business. Right. That growth is possible and that growth can have, you know, productive effects and that 
giving mm-hmm. people jobs to and asking them to do things for other people is meaningful, right? Like yep. that's it's part of the DNA. It's very American. Yeah, but I want to I want to follow your thought through because I think it's a really important one. So okay, so here we are. We rely on stability for what I would call all these sort of you know this hyper micro transaction world that we live in, right? Like if I I broke my dumbbells like two months ago. Just working out just so hard. Just just a beast. I dropped it. Just, yeah, oh, I dropped that's it. disappointing. It would have been, yeah, it just... is disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I, I crushed it through the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and so I needed a part. And I was like, oh my God, this is impossible. They're 10 years old. There are these adjustable dumbbells. So they have the like click system so you can get different weight. Everything like, is There's possible. no way. I go on eBay. Mm-hmm. And I find an individual, clearly it was not a company or a shop, just an individual who happens to have, has have amassed these parts for the gear systems inside of the, the dumbbell. Mm-hmm. And it was, he charged me 18 bucks for a piece of plastic, but frankly, I would have to spend $300 to get a new dumbbell system. It's, it's worth right? $18. It's fine. Worth $18. But the thing was, the fact that I was able to even go do that. And he was able to find a market where he's like, you know what? I'm going to load up on these because I think people are going to break them all around the country. The dumbbells I have aren't made anymore. That's another thing worth pointing out. So it was this incredible sort of ability, A, to find someone, to seek that buyer, that seller, I should say, is incredible, right? Like just let's pause for a moment there and just point out that I found this guy in the corner of Idaho who is selling this piece of plastic. And let's also point out, it took you about probably a minute it took me about a minute. It took, I mean, I, I didn't know if I should, first off, I thought it was, I didn't know if it was right or if he was legit and all these questions came up. And one of the things I've noticed with the pandemic is that everybody went to eBay kind of. Everybody thought, you know what? We've got this these incredible marketplaces, but what you found was you were sending 6,000 masks to a hospital of 80,000 people that needed new ones every day. And, right. and the scale challenge that kicked in was just utterly profound. And we were we found ourselves back at like government provisioning, right? Well, like where right. when the government orders cheese, like we're back there. You know what, what I've noticed about our world, the world of tech, which is that we're very good at creating one-to-one markets and there's yeah. some good tools for communities, but yeah. cultural change is hard and requires large state actors and the systems that we've built don't really support that sort of thing, right? Like, they just no. Don't. And, no, they and, don't. And here's an example. I'll ask this as a question. Let's see if we, you, you think the same thing I do. How do, when governors have formed blocks throughout our nation right now, right? Like yeah. five, yes. six states. How do the mm-hmm. governors coordinate and work together? Probably call each other. Conference well, calls. first off, Conference calls and probably geographic proximity because it made sense to them. They probably know each other because of, oh, they of do. interactions they've had around the border. Right, well, it's, New it's, York and New Jersey talks to one another a lot. They share budgets. There's all kinds of interactions. Absolutely, and then you know they they call each other. You have a conference call and you talk about what you need, and then you turn that into action because basically the governor is the middleman slash you know the the governor is the marketplace. At that point, like they are the arbiter and they define who yes. go, what goes what and who goes what. And there's no system that you could automate with current technology or maybe not even with general artificial intelligence that could deal with that. No, there isn't. There isn't. And it's, it's talking and coordinating. Frankly, it was actually a little infuriate. Imagine if the gov- governors had to coordinate to create those bombers in World War II. 
disaster. Well, you wouldn't have had a single airplane, right? Like, I mean, that would have been a. I mean, the thing about I World War II, right? Like, the entire economy was mobilized in order to generate the effect you're describing, which is I'm going to put this person in charge. They have a certain amount of time. They will deliver this. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. if they don't, I will have to get someone else. And it just fanned out. Like it was optimal. You know, you have that sort of McNamara type brain yeah. around the, around production. And like, what do we need to do to systematize? Humans didn't factor in a lot. It was literally like humans were units of labor that required calories and sleep. Right. Yeah. I think what's what's interesting here is that, you know, they advertise efficiency, these sort of micro transaction markets like Uber. I mean, Uber is incredibly efficient, right? Like it's constantly pricing cars and telling you what's nearby so you can get one at the opt and it lets the drivers compete. And the more drivers, the price goes down. It's 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 almost beautiful. Well, it's I think because it's it's economics one oh one, right? The only problem it's economics with- 101. No, but I, I think what happens is when you get to scale, those markets, A, can't meet that level of demand, and B, they're actually incredibly inefficient. What we found is that I can't cobble together 6,000 orders of Q-tip boxes. I need one giant order, right? Like that's Uber isn't the real economy, right? It's, it's heavily subsidized through stockholder money. Right. So that, yeah. that part's really tricky is that the bill still hasn't fully come due. I think Airbnb is a, like a more efficient business overall, but like Uber. No, and- but I, I think Uber can be can can stop the spigot and be profitable like they could do that anytime. They just continue not at the to scale that they're because- at. It's like it's like Amazon, right? They've got that Amazon strategy where it's like we will continue to grow at all costs with all money available, except Amazon tends to use money would usually give out as a dividend. Whereas Uber is just sort of feels like it lives on borrowed time. But I basically agree with you. Like, I just like it's worth noting that that one is at more risk than many others because of the way that it counted on the demand for people driving in cars to continue to go up. Yeah, I I don't know. I think their growth was geographic rather than like, what can I suck out of New York City? Mm. In any case, I think it fails at this scale. I think there is a point in time. Wait, clarify. It fails to do what? What does it fail to do? It fails at a massive scale. eBay doesn't work. Well, it works to it works if you want to order an old book or get a part for your dumbbells. But it doesn't work to get I guess let's go back to software. Let's bring this full circle. The coordination around the testing, and I don't I'm not a scientist, there are parts. There are different chemicals and parts and pieces that you need. So everybody's like, oh, if I could only get the machine. It's not about the machine, it's about the materials you need. It's about and if you divvy out all of those pieces, right? Th- that's where plowing the acres f- breaks down, right? Because there are dependencies now. There's the Q-tips. There's the chemicals that you need for the test to be done. There's the sensitive machinery that has to get produced. And even the sensitive machinery probably has tens to hundreds of suppliers that are supplying parts just to the machine itself. The LED screen that is on the machine is coming from someone else, right? Right. That coordination, that mobilization that you need, there is a point where you now have left the realm of, I think, capital markets and into the realm of, frankly, overarching mandate. Well, what can work at that? There's there's only like three or four organizations that are non-governmental that are integrated at that scale. Like Apple is one. Apple can knows Apple it's- Apple is one. Yeah. Tim Cook understands the supply chain top to bottom. 
And yes. he thinks about each component at some abstract level. He's like, you know, this little tiny Wi-Fi antenna that goes into an iPhone, how can we shave five cents off of that and get it made and delivered mm -hmm. in one less day? And God yeah. knows if somebody can pull that off inside of Apple, I bet you get a big promotion. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's I think that's right. That's the scale of organization necessary to do this kind of thinking. And who the hell has that experience? Nobody. Very, very, very few companies do. I mean, even a Boeing has probably thousands of suppliers. So does Apple. Right? Everybody I mean, does. So it's like, how do you? Everybody does. Yeah. And so, like, taking that knowledge and skill, grafting it into government, which at a federal level right now just isn't going to happen. It's not a. We're not a government that respects practice very well. Very like. Yeah. At this point, like the person. That is, to me, when I look at Apple, that's what I see. I, I actually don't see enormous amount of product innovation because it feels like they're on their roadmap. I see the best possible supply chain optimization at scale. Efficiency, in the world. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. With a, with a kind of innovation backbone driving it forward, right? Which is why Tim Cook got put in charge of this giant-ass company instead of Johnny Ive. Yeah, I think that's right. And to close this out, I, I, I want to just share an observation that happened. And again, it's, it's six years from now, and uh, you're listening to this podcast, and God bless you. But it'll tell you something that happened in 2020. Like, to your point earlier, like eight governors got together to essentially say we are a single purchaser, Yep, which was a very anti-market thing to do. And I found it actually kind of depressing and infuriating. And I'm as, I'm as pro-capitalist as, as you can be. But the fact that that even needed to happen isn't because they were countering evil, because commercial businesses, which are under enormous stress and pain right now, want to make money and put money in the bank, right? What the governors were saying is, look, look, we can't go into a marketplace right now and compete with each other. That's bananas, right? But the fact that that even needed to happen across eight out of the 50 states is sad to me. Well, don't don't forget the side effect of all your World War II manufacturing was vigorous price controls throughout the entire system. Right. You know, FDR right. on down, like, you know, you could only charge this much for steel. I mean, it was just, that Correct. was, so that Correct. entire system at a federal level, they basically put a hold on capitalism. And that's one of the ways you got that efficiency. But you know what? I, I say this partly because it's it's sad that, you know, this is about money. But the, what's sadder to me is this is hard, to your point. They have to get on conference calls. They can only get eight of the states because the ninth governor was busy or whatever. <laughs> like this is – we're back to square one. We're back to software development. We're back to all those dependencies. Who You know how many project managers are probably coordinating across those eight states? Probably like 50 people are just talking to each other with flowcharts and workflows and all kinds of things that well, even coordinate. Governors don't manage by what's possible. They just tell you what needs to be real. Uh, yeah, absolutely, right? right? They want to have the press conference and tell the story, right? Those are the scariest um, clients for us, like the ones yeah. who come in and are like, on next Thursday, I will have this. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, but you just described yeah. the rocket to Mars. And they're like, yeah. I don't care what I described. So so look, I think, I think a lesson learned from building a lot of software is that sometimes you have to force things to align and not wait for markets and not wait for, in, in the case of software, a lot of independent actors with their own agendas and more or less levels of urgency. Sometimes you just have to come in top down and line it all up, right? And that to me is how you force things to click together versus, okay, hey, can you get that thing to Tom, please? He's been waiting for four days. Listen, 
everybody likes a autocratic leader in times of terrible crisis. So you've got two great quotes on this. No, but podcast, one of the, one but... of the best things you can do if you are someone who's an autocratic leader <laughs> is create mm-hmm. a lot of crisis, right? Because yep. then only you That's can right. solve it. In this case, we have a real right. we have a real crisis. But you see that pattern, and then when things calm down, everyone's like, "We're all equal, and we're all working together using very good point." You know, interrogate both of those realistically, right? The the thing with I mean, bringing it back to software development. The autocratic top-down approach can really work. The the key thing that you miss with that is everybody gets into a state of like I have to I have to get the leader what they want and they stop looking around for things that could truly accelerate. And, you know, it's just like let's just get our put put your hat on, we're going. As opposed to like, well could we just use this thing over here? And so right. don't ever forget that. Like the reality of software development in 2020 is that you actually can have Nine people can have a baby in a month if they know what the baby's supposed to look like. Right. right. So you got to, it's, it's changing. That part of our world is changing. It is fluid. Like what's interesting in the paradox of everything we're talking about here is that there's not just that one way. There's a lot of ways they have to all be on the table. It's very fluid that the very things that you're saying, like, you know, these tools that we've built aren't really serving the needs that we have at a, at a large macroeconomic scale doesn't mean that two months from now, somebody might not say, hey, I hooked my Excel spreadsheet up to this and we can run this part of the economy now. Like it, it's, I guess the way I would close this out is, is we're seeing new needs that we didn't see before. And yeah. we should address those and think about them. And you don't have to think about them ideologically. You don't have to be like, well, if it doesn't serve the stock market, why bother? Like there are just needs that humans have and we should all be thinking about them. Agreed. All right, Richard. Well, you know, if anybody wants to get in touch with us, what would you, well, you want to build great software efficiently? Here, hold on. Zero to near zero dependency? Call Postlight. Listen, we're your partner. We will work with you to get your new thing built, launched, and out. And it will be a big technology thing. And people will love it. And if you want to get in touch with us, just send an email to hello at postlight.com. That email address goes straight to Rich, me, and other folks. And We want to hear from you and we want to learn about what you're doing. And uh, we would love to be working with you in a room for three months, six months, a year. We're ready. Just get in touch. Well put, Paul. Thanks. You're on a roll today. Well, we're just trying to, we are your partner. We have to start saying that more and more because that's important. Yes. All right, friends. All right. We'll see you next week. Have a lovely week. Yeah. And uh, hey, guy in 2027, enjoy your dinner. (laughs) Enjoy your cricket protein burger. (laughs) Have a good week. Bye, everybody.